0: Welcome to Campus Firewatch Radio. My name is Ed Kamau. Food trucks are becoming more of an issue in cities and on campuses across the nation, and there have been a number of high-profile events involving food trucks that are really raising the question of what type of regulations exist. In the current issue of Campus Firewatch Newsletter, we have an article discussing the problem and what a number of communities are doing to address it, to address it as well as some new information from NFPA. Well, Today, we're going to be talking with two people from NFPA who are closely involved in writing the regulations for food trucks and the codes. First, we're joined by Jacqueline Wilmot, a fire protection engineer and staff liaison for NFPA 96. Thanks for joining us on Campus Firewatch Radio, Jacqueline.
1: Thank you for having me, Ed.
0: Pretty, I guess probably a pretty basic question to start with is, what does define a food truck? What, what makes up a food truck?
1: When we look at food trucks and our codes and standards, we're not just looking at vehicles. We could be also talking about push carts or trailered units or any type of mobile or temporary cooking operation. So just because it's a doesn't look like a truck does not necessarily mean um that it does not have the same hazards that we're concerned about. But it's really any any form of mobile or temporary cooking.
0: And is it just me or is Are food trucks taking off? It seems like I'm seeing them more in cities and on campuses.
1: So food trucks uh, are are really, I mean, the market for them is only growing, um, especially since the economy hit uh, in 2008, 2009. A lot of restaurant entrepreneurial chefs, rather than starting a brick and mortar, found it more feasible for them to start their business out of a food truck.
0: And has this growth created a problem in terms of the number of food trucks is outpacing the ability to oversee them or regulate them or come up with standards for them?
1: The issue has come up that although the food trucks are taking off, the regulations for them are kind of, uh, I shouldn't say at a standstill, but pretty close to it. A lot of jurisdictions have health and safety regulations for the food trucks, but when it comes to fire protection regulations, um, only a few cities really address this topic. So... um, What's going on is we're having a few incidents that have occurred that are kind of raising some eyebrows and having people ask the question, what are the fire safety regulations that we have for these vehicles? And depending on your jurisdiction, you may have um, you may have regulations, you may not. And so people are trying to figure out, okay, what are the hazards associated with these mobile or temporary cooking units? How can we mitigate them? What is it that we can do to regulate them to ensure that this does not happen in our jurisdiction or it doesn't happen again in our jurisdiction?
0: When you and I were talking earlier, you'd mentioned Chicago is one place that really has kind of taken this on. Can you talk about what they're doing out there?
1: What they do is they actually offer a class. I believe it's every Thursday. Um, and the food truck owner um, pays for the class, but they go in and it's about two hours. And basically the purpose of the of the course is to instruct food truck owners and operators how to handle and use um, propane cylinders. So the, the common hazard that we're finding is that um, on food trucks um, so vehicles okay on food trucks what's happening is that the uh, LP gas systems those connection points on the LP gas systems are loosening up while the food trucks are transporting from location A to location B when they're loosening up um, we're getting some leaks and then now we're having explosions so in the class they go through uh, fire extinguisher training and um, how to know if your propane cylinder has been inspected when the last time it was inspected, how to handle it, um, some other common sense um, fire safety tips, in uh, and, and their case I guess they're, they're laws, um, but you know not to be cooking while you're driving. Um, th- th- those kind of those kind of topics and training. Training is a big one too because Um, In in the city of Chicago, in this class, they instruct the food truck owners and operators um, to make them aware that at least one person on that vehicle must uh, pass that fire safety class that the city of Chicago offers for mobile and temporary cooking operations. Although the course is very informative, very helpful, it's not a chemistry exam. They just try to keep it high level. Um, And they reiterate the point, you know, they're not trying to keep them out of business. In fact, a lot of um, people doing the inspections love food trucks. It's just that they're trying to keep their jurisdiction safe. So in the city of Chicago, they um, require at least one person who has passed that class on the vehicle at all times. In addition, um, they have a requirement, I believe it's 24 inches. I might be off on the, on the dimension, but it's 24 inches. I believe that the propane cylinder, if it's mounted on the back of the truck, it has to be 24 inches off of the bumper so that if you were to be rear-ended, the likelihood or probability of that um, cylinder being ruptured in the accident is decreased. Um, so they have a few requirements like that. I also think um, they require gas detection systems. Uh, which is also very helpful um, to have so they they kind of cover I think everything very well and to my knowledge they're the first jurisdiction in the United States to to really tackle this issue
0: now you'd mentioned the um, the fittings loosening up as they're driving around and which obviously can create a a leak. What are some of the other problems that food trucks are seeing that are kind of unique to them uh, in operation?
1: so besides the propane leaks I mean we have um, grease fires that's that's similar to all kitchens, all commercial kitchens, so that's not really unique to food trucks. But some of the other things that um, we see are improper fueling um, of the generators, so that's another area um, where we have some concerns. And I think it's basically the, the generators and the propane that, that really make it unique um, compared to other commercial cooking operations that are permanent.
0: And you mentioned refueling the generators. Recently, there was an incident down outside of George Washington University where a food truck burned up. And that was exactly what it was, was they refueled the generator um, during operation and uh, terrible fire happened. So it's not an unheard of sort of thing There, there do seem to be a number of incidents. When I was doing the research for the article in this podcast, just, I was really astounded at how many incidents are happening across the country.
1: Yeah, it's um it's really unfortunate because I I mean I love food trucks, so I'm not uh, a <laughs> not here to say, you know, if you see a food truck that you should run in the opposite direction. Um I love food trucks and fortunately with my position at NFPA I get to travel all over the place. And I like to go on the apps and see where they are, see which ones are popular and what they're popular for and all that. But that being said, they're gaining so much popularity, there's a lack of regulations, a lack of fire safety regulations. Um, Because as I mentioned earlier, although a lot of these jurisdictions have health inspections, very few jurisdictions are tackling the fire protection side of it. Um, And that being said, we're having these incidents that pop up. And Some people hear about them, some people don't. I think the incident that really captured the world's attention was in July of 2014, the Philadelphia food truck explosion that killed a mother and daughter. And um, in that incident, there were a few different um, uh, thoughts on what happened there. But when I spoke with the commissioner, um, he said it was a um, a Philadelphia fire. He was saying that it was actually a cylinder structure failure. So um, that one was not a leak, but a cylinder structure failure, and that incident was captured on a nearby surveillance camera, which then allowed the news reporters to be able to show that, Uh, and everyone was able to see the impact that a propane explosion could have. And you know, when you when you think of a, you and I think of a food truck, we're usually walking up and looking at the menu, we're not inspecting the equipment, um, looking for hazards. Our guards are down. We're trying to enjoy a a meal. Um, So when you look at at these incidents, you start thinking, "Wow, these are popping up left and right, like you said, if you actually do some research, there's there's plenty of them out there, unfortunately. And then the next question that i I always have is, okay, how are these being tracked?" because um when you if you were to go to look for data to support that food trucks or mobile and temporary cooking operations are in need of fire protection requirements, you're really not going to find the need because when you go to look into any system like NFERs, for example, the National Fire Incident Reporting System, when you go to NFERS, that they code the food truck incidents as either vehicle fires or restaurant fires. So there's really no unique code for a food truck incident. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, you go on the Internet, and unfortunately there's far too many.
0: So what's NFPA doing uh, to help address this, this gap that seems to be there when it comes to Guidance or standards.
1: After the Philadelphia food truck explosion in 2014, the International Fire Marshals Association, also known as IFMA, uh, developed a task group to look at what NFPA could do in terms of our codes and standards to address the fire safety concerns associated with mobile and temporary cooking operations. So that task group got together and they developed about a 16 page document. They submitted this document. TO BOTH NFPA 1 AND NFPA 96 AND THE TECHNICAL COMMITTEES REVIEWED THE DOCUMENTS AND FOR NFPA 96 WHAT um, THE TECHNICAL COMMITTEE DECIDED TO DO WAS DEVELOP THEIR OWN TASK GROUP TO SAY, OKAY, WE AGREE THAT THIS SUBJECT NEEDS TO BE ADDRESSED BUT WE'RE NOT SURE IF IT'S EXACTLY HOW IFMA SUBMITTED IT. WE'RE NOT SURE IF ALL THOSE REQUIREMENTS FIT WITHIN THE SCOPE OF NFPA 96. SO THEY LOOKED AT WHAT IFMA SUBMITTED AND SAID, OKAY, WHAT WOULD FALL WITHIN NFPA 96? THIS TASK GROUP met between the first and second draft meetings and developed basically their own version of this and showed it to the committee at the second draft meeting, and the committee said, yep, we like it. Uh, Let's put it as a normative annex in NFPA 96. Um, So I'll explain what that is in a second, but before I go into that, I'll say that what they decided to do, this task group and what the technical committee ultimately agreed upon to address uh, fire safety requirements for uh, mobile and temporary cooking operations is they went through what is currently in, in NFPA 96 and what would still apply to a food truck. So they looked at chapter four and said, yes, clearance requirements still apply. Chapter five that addresses hoods, those requirements still apply. Um, grease removal devices in chapter six and so on and so on. So they took what they already have and said what applies to to food trucks. So they went through it you know, first just to see what we already had. What I can tell you about those um, the, the specific requirements that they came up with that were not already within NFPA 96 is that a lot of that material is actually extracted from NFPA 1192, which is the standard for recreational vehicles, and also NFPA 58, which is the liquefied petroleum gas code. Um, and then for electrical wiring, they referenced NFPA 70, which is the National Electrical Code. So that's basically what is now normative Annex B. A normative annex is unique in that a normative annex uses the word shall um, and the purpose of that is so that a jurisdiction can adopt just one section of the code or standard. So for example, if another jurisdiction has adopted the International Mechanical Code rather than NFPA 96 and that jurisdiction wants to address food trucks, what that jurisdiction has the um, power or capability to do now is adopt only the normative annex of NFPA 96, so that they can address food trucks. Um, so that was the committee's intent on why they made it a normative annex. So again, it still includes the word shall, and it's enforceable only upon adoption. Okay.
0: So where does that annex stand right now in terms of the NFPA process?
1: Uh, NFPA 96, the 2017 edition, will be available to purchase uh, later this month or February of 2017. and. Uh, that will include normative Annex B. Uh,
0: In the meantime, is there more information on the NFPA website when it comes to food trucks?
1: Absolutely. So in the meantime, um, until you purchase NFPA 96, the 2017 edition, or if your jurisdiction simply has not adopted NFPA 96, or at least that normative annex, excuse me, what you can do is go to nfpa.org slash foodtrucksafety. And on that website, There's a variety of of information, um, everything from recent events to um, an article that was in the NFPA journal back in 2014. There are links um, so people can see what other jurisdictions are doing. And there's also a fire safety tip sheet. So if you are a food truck owner or operator and you're not sure um, what you can do to uh, maintain your, your safety in the vehicle, you can download that tip sheet and follow that. I know some jurisdictions have used that as the basis to kind of start their own requirements. Um, so all that information is there. There's also some podcasts available and a link to the NFPA Exchange site. NFPA Exchange is more of a two-way street, so you can communicate with other people in the industry, whether it's NFPA staff or um maybe even um, inspectors from different cities all over the world, and say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with in my jurisdiction. How are you handling it? And it really allows people the opportunity to collaborate and share information.
0: We've been talking with Jacqueline Wilmot, who's a fire protection engineer with NFPA, about the issue of food trucks, and which are a growing problem on campuses. Well, I wouldn't say a problem, just a growing issue on campuses and other cities around the country. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, Jacqueline.
1: Thank you very much,
0: Ed. Well, that was some great information from Jacqueline about what is happening with NFPA 96 and some of the information that NFPA is putting up on their website in relation to food trucks. Next, we are joined by Kristen Vigda, who is a Principal Fire Protection Engineer for NFPA and is a Staff Liaison for the NFPA One Fire Code. Welcome to Campus Firewatch Radio, Kristen.
2: Thank you for having me, Ed
0: food trucks. Uh, We're seeing more of them on campuses and more of them in the streets, uh, around campuses in the cities. What's NFPA 1 doing when it comes to providing some sort of guidance as to what communities should be doing and making sure these are as fire safe as possible?
2: So NFPA 1 is actually in the process of developing uh, the 2018 edition of the code. Um, We're actually Just finished up a couple of months ago with the um, second draft meeting, which is one of the the last phases of the co-development cycle. And one issue that the technical committee has been tackling um, this revision cycle is food trucks or, you know, what we call in the code, mobile and temporary cooking operations. NFPA 1 isn't quite as far along in the revision cycle as 96 is. We still have, um, you know, a few months to go before the code is is actually published and available, you know, for purchase and available for adoption um, or, you know, available to the public. Where it stands today is the 2018 edition of 1 will include a new section on mobile and temporary cooking operations. Um, And this this section is new, it's a new topic addressed by NFPA 1, and it addresses many of the topics um, that you probably heard Jacqueline talk about earlier with NFPA 96, um, but it also addresses a couple of other issues that are sort of unique to what a fire code addresses.
0: And what specifically is NFPA 1 addressing when it comes to the food trucks?
2: 96 is is really the home base, of course, for, you know, requirements, you know, related to commercial cooking operations. And then, of course, they have now this, you know, very extensive and comprehensive annex, um, you know, in their document for mobile and temporary cooking operations. What NFPA 1 was looking to do was include in our code those requirements that are, you know, under the purview of our document. What we do include, though, um, again, are some requirements that are unique and important to how a fire code is applied, which... Of course, it's primarily used by you know authorities having jurisdiction, code inspectors, code enforcers. This is a document that that inspectors want to have when they're out in the field, you know doing inspections on these types of of vehicles or facilities or operations. So we cover some requirements, um, for example, for portable fire extinguishers. Um, we actually have a requirement um, for separation of the vehicles themselves. One thing that's important to a fire code is that there's enough distance between the vehicles um, for safety reasons. Obviously, you know, should something happen in one vehicle, you know, trying to prevent that that fire or emergency from spreading to multiple vehicles and also making sure that the fire department has proper access to the vehicles. Um, kind of like what Jacqueline said, we address some requirements for tents. We address requirements for fire department access, you know, making sure that these um, cooking operations do not block fire department access roads, fire lanes, hydrants. We also talk about um, you know, providing communication um, to emergency personnel from the employees on the vehicles um, and also making sure that um, and, and these are kind of smaller requirements, but again, unique to our code, um, talking about providing the address of the location where the vehicle is. Should someone need to contact the fire department, they'll, you know, they'll have readily available to them where the vehicle is and, and how the fire department can access them. And that's pretty much what we cover in one. You know, it, it addresses, again, mobile cooking operations as well as temporary cooking operations. Sort of in summary, you know, we make reference over to NFPA 96, and then we include in our document those requirements that are um, sort of unique to our code or that are important to call out specifically under the scope of a fire code.
0: So when do you think the uh, new NFPA 1 is going to be out on the street? When is it going to be available?
2: That should be available um, sometime early fall, Um the way that there, sort of the revision cycle works or what we have left, um, we just completed um, in our revision process what's called the second draft, and we have the ballot. The um, the second draft report, which documents all of the committee actions over this past phase of the process, that actually should be available online um, sometime today or tomorrow. And then we have uh, sort of one more little hurdle to get over before, um, again, before we can kind of wrap up the development of this edition. There is one more opportunity for the public to submit Um, what we call um, notifications of intent to make a motion, probably more than your audience needs to know, but there is one more chance in the process for some additional changes to be made. Um, If we do not receive any of those, NFPA 1 would actually be issued in May, but chances are pretty good that we'll receive one or two, so that'll push the document issuance out to sometime early this fall.
0: Well, it sounds like between NFPA 1 and NFPA 96, Uh, You folks are really taking a good, close look at it and should have some good documentation out pretty soon that people can use to guide them in regulating food trucks, don't you?
2: Definitely. And I think Jacqueline, you know, brought up a good point talking about the the website the NFPA has available right now sort of as an interim until some of these documents are, you know, available, published, ready to go. Uh, But I think between 96, you know, NFPA 1, we've addressed some of the, you know, the common Hazards associated with these vehicles, the, you know, the fire protection systems, the equipment on the vehicles, and then some of the more, again, you know, fire code-related issues um, like communication, training, location, access. Um, because there's there's these vehicles really are are popping up everywhere um, in many different forms, like Jacqueline talked about, and I'm sure on college campuses they're becoming you know a very popular item to have. Um, so I think this guidance will be very helpful to to jurisdictions, to manufacturers, inspectors, you know folks on college campuses that are, you know, responsible for, you know, evaluating these types of, of events and in, in, in vehicles. So we're hopeful that this is the guidance that people out there are looking for.
0: We've been talking with Kristen Bigda, who is a principal fire protection engineer with the NFPA and staff liaison for NFPA One Fire Code. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you very much, Ed. I appreciate it.
0: Well, it's pretty clear that there's a gap when it comes to regulating food trucks right now but it looks like NFPA is getting ready to put some requirements out there in their codes. In the meantime, they have some information that might help you on their website at www.nfpa.org slash foodtrucks, and you can also find some additional information at Campus Firewatch at www.campus-firewatch.com foodtrucks and in the current issue of the Campus Firewatch newsletter. If you are interested in subscribing to Campus Firewatch, Please go to www.campus-firewatch.com slash subscribe where you can sign up to receive this newsletter each quarter. It's full of articles about issues relating to campus fire safety as well as regular features such as the campus fire log. Well, my name is Ed Camo, and thanks for listening to Campus Firewatch Radio.